Welcome to the Cochrane Community Church Podcast. We're so happy that you're joining us, and we look forward to how Jesus will impact your life through this message. See, at Cochrane Community Church, our mission is simple. We want to share the love of Jesus so that our families, our community, the next generation, and the world will know Him as Savior. And this means that we strive to be a loving, Christ-centered community of believers. We just want to say thank you so much again for taking the time to tune into this episode. And at this time, please sit back and relax and enjoy this week's episode. Again, welcome and happy Mother's Day uh, to you in the room and uh, to you that are watching at home. We're so happy that you're with us today. As we continue uh, with our series, what we believe and the difference it should make. Um, some of this information in my research that I have found comes from a guy named Paul David Tripp, who's a theologian and a pastor and an author. And he tells the story of uh, Rick and Maggie. And Rick and Maggie were a young couple that uh, went to the same church. And they met in a, in a Bible class, a Bible study at church, got to know each other a little bit, uh, went for coffee, hung out. Um, got to know each other. Uh, they found out that they had common interests. They went on a date, and uh, the first date led to a second date and a third date. They really got to know each other well, and next thing you know, they became inseparable, as happens. We know how that happens. And a year or two later, uh, marriage followed, and Rick and Maggie got married, and it looked like a dream relationship. They were just so perfect for each other, and it looked like a dream uh, relationship from the outside. But a couple of years went by, and Pastor Tripp found them sitting in his office across from him on a couch because um, their dream relationship looked more like a nightmare. At home, they barely talked, had no relationship, barely got along, no warmth. It's kind of like a state of cold war. And so Pastor Paul Tripp raised the question, where is the gospel in this Christian's marriage or their life or their relationship with each other? What's the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, his death, his life, his death, his birth, life, death, resurrection. Where's the gospel in this? And so he goes on to ask these questions I'm going to ask you. Do you think, and it's going to get a little churchy, Do you think the justifying grace of Jesus could pull this couple out of despair? Can you see how the death uh, and resurrection of Jesus can change everything when it comes to how we think about ourselves and how we relate to others? Does the gospel of grace change the way we handle sin, weakness, and failure? And how about this, real churchy? Are you able to apply, which we're going to talk about today, the doctrine of justification through the son we follow to the realities of your everyday life? Are you confused? Intrigued? Interested? I know, right? All that. So here we are, week five of our series, what we believe in the difference it should make. Doctrine. What's doctrine? I put it on your outline there. It's a set of beliefs. We've got that on your outline, a set of beliefs. And so far, we've talked about the Bible. We talked about God the Father. 
The devil, whom we abhor. Remember who we dislike immensely? Abhor. Last week, we talked about sin. And we talked about Jesus a little bit last week as we introduced him into the solution for our sin. And that is the son we follow, the name of our uh, message for today. And I told you last week that sin is an inherent, uh, that's inherent in us as humans because of Satan's influence on Adam and Eve. And Satan's influence and sin caused separation between us and a perfect God. Sin is this, what? I told you this last week. Sin is a moral offense against God, and everyone is a sinner, no exceptions, and Jesus is the only solution, no exceptions to that either. We're going to look at several passages today and discover some things together about what that means. So turn with me to the book of Romans. We're going to be in the New Testament, or the NIV, the New Testament for sure. The book of Romans, New International Version. If you're following along, we're going to start in chapter 4, the very, very end of chapter 4. Because we're going to learn all this stuff together today, okay? We've got a lot to learn, a lot to cover. A lot to cover on this Mother's Day. So I'm going to start with Romans 4.25, the very last verse of Romans. This is Paul. He's talking to a group of believers that live in Rome. They're Christians, and he says this. He, talking about Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. What is that word again? Say it. Yeah. Is that churchy? Yeah, it's churchy, isn't it? Yeah, that's a churchy word. It is. Justified, what's it mean? Let's, let's look it up, put it up there. Here's what it means. And you need to remember this for the rest of the day and of course and forever, right? <laughs> made right, justified, made right, righteous in the sight of God. Acquitted of the crime. Moved from a state of sin to a state of right standing before God. That's what righteousness means. Justified. So are you able to apply the doctrine of justification through the son we follow to the realities of your everyday life? That churchy word. Okay, what did he say? Look at this. We're going to read on, but let me, let me read 25 again. He, Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, therefore ties Back to the verse of 425, therefore, because Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our what? Justification. Therefore, since we have been justified, what is that? Made right through faith, believing in Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ, we have, listen, listen to this, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God, justified, we're made right through whom we have gained access by faith, you've got to believe, into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Oh, I love those. That's good, good, good verses there. Justified, made right because of that. Therefore, we've been justified through faith. We have peace with God because of that. We have to start there. When we talk about the effect this has to have, the effect that justification should have on our life and on our marriage and on our relationships. Because we remember that sin caused separation. 
Jesus brings reconciliation between us and God. That's justification. Jesus's actions, his death and his resurrection justify our opportunity to have a relationship with God. And Paul tells us Jesus was delivered over to death. Okay, we know he was crucified. If you know anything about Jesus for our sins, he took the punishment I deserved. He died instead of me. And he was raised to life to make us right in the sight of God. That's the gospel. So we have peace with God through faith. What's faith? And faith is a, and you don't see it, but you believe it. You still believe it, but you don't see it. You, you uh, get on your app and you uh, request an Uber. You don't see it, but you have faith that it's going to show up. And usually it does. It's the same thing. You have faith. You just believe it. We have peace with God through faith. As Paul says here, justified. And number one for you is this. Justification brings this. New legal standing before God. You got it? This is where we start. This applies to you if you're a believer. New legal standing. Paul says in verse 2 that because of our faith in Jesus, we've gained access to God's grace. I said that. What's, What's grace? Grace is undeserved favor. Because of what Jesus did, we reap the rewards, undeserved favor. It's not anything we did or anything we could do. Jesus did it for us. The sin we talked about last week that dwells in us is no longer a barrier between us and God because Jesus made it right, justified in God's eyes. So it's done. I heard someone say something interesting. You've heard this before. People say it all the time. Say this. If God loves people so much, why does he let them go to hell then? It's a tough one to answer, isn't it? Not really. Why? Because the answer is this. God loves me so much. He gave me a way to keep me out of hell, and he did all the work. He doesn't send anybody to hell. He gave me a way to keep me out of hell. Jesus Christ, and he did all the work. That's how much he loves me. You want to talk about how much he loves me? That's how much. That's how a loving God can let somebody go to hell. He gave him a way out. Because of God's great love, Christ died to keep me out of hell. And you, 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 Christ died. And you at home to keep you out of hell. It's a gift. It's a gift and you got to take it. Have you ever been given a gift? Like an immense gift that you know you didn't deserve? Raise your hand. Somebody gave you something. You're like, oh, man, I don't deserve that. Come on, raise your hand. Nobody, just me. I know I'm undeserving, I guess. But uh, yeah, that happens all the time, doesn't it? Or sometimes it does. I told you the story about being at camp when I was a kid. And um, we decided that uh, we were uh, our whole sixth grade class went to camp. And we decided we were going to turn all the hot water on in the uh, shower house. So that nobody had any hot water to take showers. So it's like, hey, let's turn on all the hot water and run it all out so nobody can take a shower. And we're all like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. 
Little did we know there was a counselor on the other side of the wall who heard every word we said. So we didn't even get to turn the water on or do any of that. But we got called up in front of uh, all the leadership of the camp. And we're standing there in front of them. You know, why did you do this? Why would you? You knew that was wrong. And my teacher was there because he was with us, you know, and, and he was like all upset with us. How can people from his class do this to that camp? So we got in really, really big trouble. But a couple of days later, they came into our dorm. The leadership came into our dorm and they said, we are going to take five people on an excursion tonight to uh, explore what's called Nelson's Ledges over in Ohio, to explore uh, um, this area over in Ohio where the camp was. And we're only going to take five people. And it was winter and they were going to take us at night. And it was so cool. And uh, he looked and he said, you, 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 and John Othenreath. And and I'm thinking, I just got picked. And I'm the one that was going to run out all the hot water. You know, I got a gift I didn't deserve. And I was invited to go on that hike. And I know that you've got those stories too. You didn't deserve something good, but you got it anyway. That's the gospel. That's grace. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. You got something good. We've established this fact as we talk about the son we follow, understanding and believing that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is the only means we have of being made right. I'm going through this again, justified in God's sight, legal standing. You got that, okay? But what about our couple, Rick and Maggie? What about the marriage issues they're having? What's that have to do with any of this? You're asked. I'm glad you asked. What's that have to do with any of this? Flip over to Galatians. Just a couple of, page, couple of pages over. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. We're going to look at one verse there. Verse 20 says this. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave myself, gave himself up for me. Uh Aha. So we know that we've been made right with God through Jesus. But what we don't offer often consider is that, that this means so much more than just keeping me out of hell. So much more than that. Now, believe me, that's important. I don't want to go to hell. So that's important. (laughs) There's more to our relationship with the son we follow than a free trip to heaven. And Paul says that Jesus's death and resurrection stands for, listen to this, a complete change in his way of looking at all things. A reorientation of thought, as one author said which involves, listen, a total change of life. And here's what we got to get from this. Justification brings with it new identity as God's child. We have that, number two, new identity as God's child. This applies to you if you're a follower. New legal standing before God. And if you're not a follower, this can apply to you. When you make Jesus your savior. So you not only have legal standing. Justification. But you have a new identity. As well. 
Paul's saying in this verse that it applies to his and our salvation and our new identity and our new identity. And this explanation, this, I'm sorry, let me say that again. He's saying in this verse, as it applies to his and our salvation and our new identity. And this explanation comes from author Paul David Tripp as he takes it apart. And your next fill is there. He said this. Here's what I want you to know from this verse. Gospel fact. I'm sorry, I got lost here for a second. Gospel fact. I have been crucified with Christ. Gospel fact. Okay? You have a new identity as God's child. And here's a gospel fact. Why? I've been crucified with Christ. What's that? What's that all about? Paul could have said this. I have been as good as crucified since the result of Christ's crucifixion was for me, counted for me. We put to death our own plans to follow Jesus like that crucifixion. One author said that I have crucified my right to self-control in life in the same way that Christ was crucified physically. He gave up his right to physical life and I give up my right to self-life. The old is gone. The new has come. That's a gospel fact. Part of my new identity. Paul goes on to say that it's no longer him that lives. But it's Christ that lives in him. And if you are a believer, this is your present gospel reality right here. That's your present gospel reality. It's no longer I that live. But Christ who lives in me. Own this. Own these. This is your present gospel reality. Jesus is my savior. All this applies. I've been crucified with Christ. I have a new identity. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. That's my new uh, gospel reality. Author Alan Cole described it this way, and this is just so awesome. Look at this. Every moment is past. Listen. Every moment is past in conscious dependence on Christ, to whom Paul looks for everything. This is Christian faith. And it is intensely personal. It's not no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. You, you understand the magnitude of that statement? That's huge. Author Max Anders says that the more we exercise faith in Christ, the more he is free to live through us. And one of the most astounding things that I want to share with you today that spoke to me so much. Listen to this. The more we are obedient to the scripture and the leading of the Holy Spirit, the more our life approximates what Jesus would do if he were in our shoes. Let that soak in. The more we are obedient to the scripture and the leading of the Holy Spirit, the more our life approximates what Jesus would do if he were in our shoes. Why? Because we're being made in the likeness of Christ, right? We're being changed. He lives in us. So the more we stay connected to the vine, the more we grow in our faith. Our life is a reflection of that. 
And in that sense, the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. And that then is my gospel commitment. And your next one there, my gospel commitment. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in Jesus. That's got to be reality. It's got to be reality for you. I know it's hard. It's hard for me to consider this every day of my waking moment, right? It's hard. Living our life like we really believe that Jesus lives with us. A totally different person and about face. And most of you know my story. That was me. That was a mess for a long time. And I did a total about face from the person I was to the new reality of Christ living in me. It took me a while. Believe me, I'm still, I still have a long way to go. But there's no way I could have faked the change. Ask my wife. There's no way I could have faked the person that I am now with Christ than the person I was without Christ. And you can ask anybody who knew me then and who knows me now. And let me ask you, raise your hand if you can say that you are a different person because Jesus is in your life. Come on, raise your hand. Are you a different person because Jesus is in your life? Right? So the fact is that because of uh, Jesus, I have been justified before God, which brings a new identity as God's child, adopted to his family. The old is gone, the new has come, and I now live my life by faith in Jesus, a Christian, a believer. That's my new reality. That's my culture, my identity in the world, but not of the world. In Christ, we are empowered for a brand new way of living, no excuses. Our series is called What We Believe in the Difference We Should Make. Let me look at one more. One more passage. Turn to Second Peter, if you will, all the way towards the end of the New Testament. Right before First John, Second John, Third John, Fourth John, Fifth John, Revelation. I just made that up. He said there was a fifth John. We're not ever going back to that church again. No, I, yeah, I just made that up. That's funny because uh, John McGarvey and I are good friends. He's first John, I'm second John. There was a third John at the Methodist church, but he left. So we were first, second. I was third, then I got promoted to second when he left. So now I'm second John. Now, look at Second Peter 1, 3 through 9. Let me ask you, let me ask you, what difference should following Jesus make? How does it all add up? How does it manifest itself in our life? Look at this, look at this. Peter's talking. His, Jesus, Jesus's divine power, listen, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Why? So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. What is that? That's Jesus living in you, having escaped the corruption in the world Caused by evil desires. You've been made right. You've been justified. For this very reason, listen, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. Listen, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, in other words, it's a process, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a process. He says it a couple times in there. It's a process. Do your best. Do your best. 
New standing before God, new identity as a child, and this, a new way to live in the here and now. Number three, a new way to live here and now. If you profess to be a believer in your life and nothing has changed about you, then we need to have a talk. The old is gone, the new has come. His divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life to escape the sin and corruption in our world by not participating in it. And the Holman Bible commentary said that verses five through seven show, listen, that each believer also has a role to play in this transformation, a resolve, a desire, a commitment for growth and transformation must be part of the individual believers life. If the Holy spirit is to be effective. Transformation must be a part of your life. Being made in the image of Jesus, being a different person, being a believer, living as a believer, living with the belief that Christ lives in you. It changes everything. And Peter says, because of what Jesus has done, I said it earlier, make every effort. What's that mean? That means you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to nail it. Make an effort though. You're not earning your salvation. Make an effort to live your life as Christ has called you to live. He said, do your best to be a good person, knowledgeable, have self-control, persevere through trials, practice godliness, be affectionate, love others. And you see, following Jesus is so much more than just getting your ticket punched to keep you out of hell. And it must change everything about you, even incrementally, little by little. Because he is part of you. Consider all this that we're talking about. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. So. What does all this have to do with Rick and Maggie? Who came to pastor trip for counseling. They came to him on the verge of divorce. Broken marriage. No trust open to Satan's attacks because they had stopped seeking God for help. Listen to that. They had stopped seeking God for help. They stopped praying. They stopped reading their Bible. And really, they stopped understanding who they were as justified followers of Jesus. And we just went through a whole list of that. Pastor Tripp says he reintroduced them to the culture, the identity, and the lifestyle that results when you walk in the truth of God's justifying grace in your everyday life. And as they began to understand, as they began to listen, they began to pray together, began to read God's word again. Progress happened. And their marriage is being transformed. And this is a true story. It's not perfect, but it's being transformed. And Pastor Tripp's conclusion was this. Justification, big churchy word, you know what that means now, needs to be understood by believers and unbelievers alike. Because no matter how long you've been a Christian, you need to have your thinking, your identity, your values, your behavior recalibrated and redirected by the radical view of life that flows from the truth of the gospel. You are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. This then, is applying justification 
through the son we follow, to your marriage, to your parenting, to your friendships, serving, praying, giving, your devotional life, your work life, your school life. Remembering who you are because of what Jesus did. Gospel fact, you've been crucified with Christ. Gospel commitment. You don't live, the life you live now, you live by faith in Jesus. And then uh, number three was what? A new way to live in the here and now. Is your everyday life a reflection of who Christ is living in you? Every day. Your everyday life. Love God, love others. Make disciples. Change your marriage, your parenting, your friendships, serving, giving, prayer life. Is there evidence? People who know you, would they say, yeah, he's a believer. She's a believer. You wouldn't believe the difference in their life. Wow. And if you don't know Jesus yet, all this, all this can be yours, as they say, right? That's right. Forgiveness of sins. Eternal life in heaven. Having Jesus live in you, a whole new paradigm for everything. Oh, it's a process. It doesn't change overnight. It's a process. But Paul says, if we want to become more like Jesus, or Peter said, if we want to become more like Jesus, we need to put a little bit of work into that part of it. Salvation part's done. But we want to grow in our faith. We need to be in the word. We need to pray. We need to be with other believers. We need to be serving and tithing and, and giving and just all of those things that are a mark of a believer. And if you haven't got that far yet, let's talk. Talk to one of these people up here. Talk to me. Talk to one of our elders. Let's get you right with the Lord at home. Leave us a note. Leave a message on, the, on, the, on Facebook there or YouTube, wherever you're watching from. Let's pray. Oh, boy, so much to learn today, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you for uh, reassurance. I need reassurance of who I am because of Jesus. I need reassurance. And uh, thank you for uh, all those years ago when uh, you rocked my world and my wife's world and pointed us in the direction of uh, our Savior. Everything changed. Everything changed. And it was a process. It still is a process. And we are still works in progress. But my, we wouldn't change it for the world. Thank you so much, Jesus, for what you did. Thank you so much for the big churchy word, justification. Just making us right before God. Justifying our opportunity to have a relationship with him because of what you did. Lord, I pray that we go out of here just filled up today with the knowledge of that, that, that if we are a believer, we are different. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, part of you living in us, Lord. It can, we can live victoriously. We can live as believers. We can share our faith. We can grow in our faith. Given us that power to do all of that. Thank you so much. And, and Lord, if anybody is still wrestling with this whole Jesus thing, make yourself real today, Jesus. There's no way to the Father except through the Son. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Let's close. Let's close with one song. Think about, think about what we just talked about. We hope you found this week's episode relevant and encouraging. We just want to say thanks so much for taking time to listen. 
And if you'd like, please feel free to share it with a family member or a friend. We would really appreciate it. If you'd like more information about Cochrane Community Church, go online and visit ccubchurch.org. Well, that's all the time we have this week, but we would love for you to join us back here next week as we continue to see what it looks like to live a countercultural lifestyle for God. And from all of us here at Cochrane Community Church, we just want to say that we pray that God blesses your faithfulness. We'll see you back here next week.